0: KUAF's Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series kicks off July 28th in Tulsa, Oklahoma with a performance from artist Steph Simon and a conversation with owner-operator Mike Gentry. This concert will take place at 1441 North Peoria in Tulsa in the McDonald's Play Place. Reserve your tickets at kuaf.com backslash thelunchhour.
1: This is 91.3 KUAF, and this is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellums. Ahead this hour, Catherine Sheralds, our militant grammarian, returns with a new list of grammar mistakes that almost all of us have made at some point. Our conversation can be heard during our second half hour today. First up, Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez Smith is with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, and we're going to the market. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you,
2: Kyle. Kyle, what's your essential on grocery day? What can't you leave with? You know what? I interesting question. I start by thinking about lunch
1: first. Make sure I got the lunch essentials Ooh. because those are kind of the same things. Then Laura and I might talk about what's dinner. You know, who who's going to be out doing something one night? That sort of thing. How you're, about you?
2: You're going step by step. That makes sense. Um, for me, I'm looking for products. Which products oh. have the have availability? Which stores do? And an essential that I need to pick up, to be honest, is guajillo chiles and guava juice. Uh,
1: guajillo chilies. I'm sorry. I, I'm not familiar.
2: <laughs> They're just different spices that really you can only find at specialty Latin stores. And interestingly enough, last month, um, Casa Jovedo Market, a new Latin grocery store, opened its doors in Fayetteville, being one of the few specialty shops in the city. And you talked with uh, the owner, the local entrepreneur, Jose Rodriguez,
1: and you found the story behind the market, and you say it's a story of resilience and celebration?
2: His story is truly inspiring, and I'm lucky to be able to tell it. Let's listen. Behind the doors of Casa Jovero Market lies one man's story. From the fields of Guanajuato, Mexico, to Houston, and eventually to Fayetteville, Arkansas. His life story tells a tale of success in the face of adversity. The market's owner, Jose Rodriguez, is 67 years old. Jose grew up in a small town in the rural area of Guanajuato in Mexico, hours north from the capital city. There, at six years old, Jose became orphaned, he said. Stating that he left his mother's home that young because of the abusive environment created by his stepfather, forcing him to find a new home.
3: Yo, por ejemplo, mi pueblo muy pobre, la verdad, pobre pobre que a veces nos daban dos tortillas.
2: So, for example, my town was very, very poor. The truth is that sometimes there weren't even tortillas for the town to give. Sometimes it was just nopales. That was the only thing we would eat. It was the only thing that there was around. I was orphaned since I was six years old. Once my mother got married once again, I tried to go with her and her husband, and well, he was a very cruel man. I only lasted a day there because he would hit us, and I decided it would be better to live with my grandfather instead. That ended up being where we grew up. With few items, a tattered blanket, and his baby brother in hand, Jose left his house to live with his grandparents instead. There, Jose began his first job in the hot fields, picking nopales or cactus and green
3: tomatillos. I
2: told my younger brother that we needed to go to my grandpa's. The only thing we brought with us at the time was a frayed blanket for the both of us, dragging it there and to work for the first time at six years old. Going to work for the first time, my grandmother gave me tacos to eat for lunch and said, well, go on, get to work. We were out in the fields cutting green tomatillo when the guys said, hey, let's go eat, come on. And I went and when I saw my lunch, the tacos that my grandmother had made me were gone, eaten by a pig. I just ended up not eating that day. And with what they were going to pay me, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to buy a pair of pants, a razor to cut some tomatoes with. And well, they only paid me like nine pesos or 50 cents.
3: Oh, no.
2: Jose lived with his grandfather until he was about 12 years old, where he then decided to go to the big city, Mexico City. He found it difficult to find a job because everyone told him he was too young to apply, until someone gave him a job delivering milk. I worked cutting onion, jitomate, tomato, tomatillo, beans in the fields, and corn. Later, around the age of 12, I went to Mexico City. And at first, they didn't want to give me a job because I was so young. They said, no, you're very young and you aren't useful for work yet. You can't apply. But finally, someone gave me a job delivering milk. Finally, at 18, Jose ventured to the U.S., Eventually landing in Houston and one wedding and eight children later and without knowing any English Jose amped up his hours to afford to pay the bills with nine hungry mouths to feed but it wasn't enough paired with increasing costs and higher city crime rates Jose and his wife visited Arkansas and within three days he convinced his wife that Northwest Arkansas was the place to raise their children. Later, with $1,000, no English, and a family to provide for, Jose moved his family to the Ozarks. I think I only brought $1,000 with me. I came, we put everything in a warehouse before we left, and said, let's go. Well, and once we'd gotten here, we worked at a couple factories. One of them, the old Campbell Soup Factory, and I didn't like it very much. The graveyard shift was tough, and then I spent four years at the Superior Factory. After working in arduous factories and having many jobs in the industry, he decided to open his own restaurant which he had always dreamed of having. Oh. Because I've always worked in restaurants all of my life, I worked as a waiter, a busboy, bus cook, bartender, I've been pretty much everything. So I said to myself, one day, I'm gonna open a restaurant. In Houston, I would buy some plates, chairs, tables, and little stuff thinking, you never know. But I always figured it would be in Houston, not here, because I hadn't visited yet. yo pensaba porque pues. He credits his success in owning two restaurants and now a grocery store in Northwest Arkansas to his faith. He points to God as the reason why all of his successes were possible in the face of hardships. But someday I thought to myself, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy this. And would you believe it? I did. I bought it. But you know who helped me? God, because imagine not speaking English, having no money, no friends, and it got done. I was still losing a lot of weight and getting very skinny from all the worrying. I asked myself, how am I going to do this? But through God, it got done. Jose added that being from a poor rural area, he never went to school, making even Spanish and basic numbers difficult for him without an educational background. As for the future, Jose wants to expand the store and continue being a community staple. So right now, I've thought about it. I just want to make it bigger. I told my daughter that I want to have some refrigerators to have vegetables that are cold, very long ones that go from one side to the other. Really deck it out. Everyone in the family helps out around the different restaurants and stores. According to him, everyone shares the workload, regardless of their title. No, no. The truth is, here we all have the title to do whatever, whether it's wash dishes, clean tables, clean, collect, attend to customers, cook, whatever it is. Here we don't have the sentiment of, no, that's not my title. Here, everyone does everything. Tearing up, Jose told me looking back on his story makes him emotional, and he talked about that emotion as being an inspiration for his kids. Plus, the legacy and the future he spent a lifetime building for
3: them.
2: I think that for someone who didn't end up going to Scott, that we have what we have today. We don't need anything. Thanks to these blessings, we've had everything we've needed. And if you don't know how to take advantage of it, well, there's nothing anyone else can do. I think with the hand that I got, I did a lot for them, for my kids, for everyone, all eight. For Ozarks at Large in Fayetteville, I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith.
1: Jose Rodriguez, owner of Casa Jovero Market, spoke with Rachel Sanchez-Smith last week. More information can be found on Facebook and Instagram. Rachel, the music we heard in this piece wasn't randomly selected.
2: No, there are definitely some Easter eggs in there. So the first song that we chose um, was from Jose Alfredo Jimenez, uh, a decorated artist from Guanajuato, and he wrote this song about his hometown also where José Rodríguez, the owner of Casa Jovero, is from. It's called Caminata de Guanajuato. And then the second song we heard is Mi Viejo, or kind of like My Old Man. Um, It's by another well-known artist in Mexico, Vicente Fernández. And it's just kind of the perspective that I got talking to his daughter and her explaining, you know, all of the hardships and the successes and the pain and the history and the love and the celebration that he instilled in their life and gave to them. And it's, you know, just a little Easter egg. Those are at largest Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. What is it that we're missing in Northwest Arkansas that is a vast need, a desire for people in our community? Mm.
4: On the latest episode of The Beloved Community, a podcast with the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council and KUAF, hosts and council members Chris Seawood and Lindsey Leverett Higgins discuss the council's efforts to develop strategies aimed at improving black life in Northwest Arkansas through a new electronic census project.
3: There should be and hopefully will be just more targeted investment in infrastructure to help bring those cultural amenities.
4: Listen to the Beloved Community for free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your
5: podcasts.
1: Coming up soon on today's Ozarks, dozens of nations will be represented at this summer's Fort Smith International Film Festival.
6: And we're going to show 148 films this year, 48 hours worth of film. <laughs> but that still means I had to leave, you know, 300 films behind. But we just sent out those notifications. And once you send out the notifications, you start getting all these people tagging you from all over the world. And you get to see their excitement of, like, our film is in, you know, Fort Smith, Arkansas. And they're posting from, of course, you know, uh, Ukraine. You know, the, the, the we got our Russian person posted. And mm-hmm. so all over the world, Spain. Preparing for a world of cinema. That's in about six minutes on today's show.
2: I'm Ozarks at-Large reporter Anna Pope, and I wanted to thank everyone who donated to KUAF during the latest donation drive. Without your help, the Ozarks at-Large news team would not have the equipment needed to capture interviews, write scripts, or edit stories. Thanks for making our work and everything else you get from KUAF possible.
1: 77,000 Arkansans were disenrolled from Medicaid in Arkansas during the month of June. According to the Arkansas Department of Human Services, removal for Medicaid beneficiaries began in May following the end of the public health emergency by President Biden. As of July 1st, the number of Arkansans who have been disenrolled is more than 971,000, including more than 414,000 children. DHS Secretary Christy Putnam told our partners Talk Business and Politics there is, quote, fabricated outrage and incorrect reporting about Arkansas's legally required efforts to redetermine eligibility for Medicaid recipients. There is a grace period to help those who have been disenrolled and still qualify for Medicaid. People can visit AR.gov renew for more information. Nonprofit community action agencies across Arkansas have begun accepting applications for their summer LIHEAP program. LIHEAP stands for Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program. It helps qualified low-income households pay their utility bills. Sandra Drennan is the human services coordinator at the Crowley's Ridge Development Council. Drennan says households can apply for either the regular or the crisis program.
5: I actually have Two different programs, our regular program and our crisis program, so they can actually get two bills paid on this summer. The regular program is just based on household size and income, and the crisis is based on, like I said, need. They have to have a pass due, a disconnect, or need their services turned on to do a crisis.
1: Applications are being accepted until September 29th or until the funding expires. More details available by contacting a nonprofit community action agency. A full list of local agencies at the CAA page of the Arkansas Energy and Environment website. Arissa Health is receiving a 1.25 million dollar grant from the Willard and Pat Walker Charitable Foundation. The grant will be used for renovations on the Center for Children and Families. Arissa Health is the largest nonprofit behavioral health provider in Arkansas and is based in Springdale. Medical marijuana sales in Arkansas topped 141 million dollars in the first six months of this year, according to numbers released by the Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration. Medical marijuana has been available since 2019. And spokesperson for DFNA, Scott Harden, says the state should surpass $1 billion in sales since that time by the end of 2023. Northwest Arkansas Community College is receiving a $650,000 grant from the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture to develop a new butchery program. The program will allow students to earn an artisanal butchery certificate as well as develop business skills necessary to open a butcher shop of their own and WAC plans to begin offering the program in the fall of 2024. Twelve residents of Fort Smith are throwing their names in the hat to fill an open seat on the Fort Smith Public Schools Board of Education. That position previously held by D. Blackwell who resigned from the board last month, citing family health challenges. The school board has called a special meeting for tomorrow with the vacancy listed on the agenda, but there are currently no details on whether the board will make a selection to fill the vacancy during the meeting. The next regularly scheduled board meeting is July 17th. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences is partnering with the Arkansas State Crime Lab to offer a one-year fellowship in forensic pathology. The program is scheduled to begin in July of 2024 and will provide opportunities to complete autopsies at a high volume by collaborating with coroners coroners rather, in all 75 Arkansas counties. By 2027, the lab is projected to triple in size and relocate to North Little Rock in a new 200,000-square-foot facility. And the number of Arkansas Razorbacks selected in the Major League Baseball draft? Now, five. Pitcher Hunter Holland was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds 74th overall yesterday. Outfielder Tavian Josenberger was selected by the Baltimore Orioles, where he'll be joining another former Razorback, Heston Kerstad, who was drafted in 2020. Jace Boferin was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in the sixth round. And Jared Wegner will join the New York Yankees organization after being chosen in yesterday's ninth round. This is Ozarks at Large. The Fort Smith International Film Festival's third iteration is about six weeks away. Not that organizers haven't been working already for months. More than 450 films from more than 50 nations were submitted for this year's festival. Brandon Chase Goldsmith, the executive director of the festival, says more than 100 screeners watched the films to come up with the official entries that will be screened for festival goers at Temple Live August
6: 25th and 26th. Because every film that comes in, we try to make sure it's watched by three different people. Mm. And what they do is what they provide for us. Um, It's basically a simple thumbs up, thumbs down, one to 10 rating. But when the films come in, they're either just a short film or a feature-length film. We don't know what category it is. So that's another way that our screeners help is they let us know what categories, because our categories every year kind of just bubble up to the surface uh, based off of what films come in. I see. So if you... One
1: particular year, you might have more comedies come in than Mm -hmm. a previous year. Okay, we can have a comedy.
6: Yeah. And then so the blocks, you know, the comedy blocks, whatever blocks kind of, you know, you you have your typical ones. But then, like, we have an LGBTQ uh, block that that came up this year. But then I have my absolute favorite block of films, which is our alum. Because what's great about that is not only do we have local and regional alum – I have international alum in our mm-hmm. festival. We have people that had, you know, this is their third year submitting films, you know, from you know, across the world. And one of the, my favorite this year is we have an alum from Ukraine, and she made a film during the war. Mm-hmm. And her film is called My Unfortunate Cats. And it's dedicated to all the pet owners who took care of their animals during the Russian invasion. Oh, my gosh. And so someone tells me that, hey, uh, I'm having a hard time getting my, my film finished. No. <laughs> no excuses now. <laughs> right, if we can have a filmmaker right. who you know finished a film during wartime, and but so you're, we're getting stories in from across the globe and also locally, and so that's it's a, that's what makes our, a beautiful mix with our festival.
1: When the festival began, what was the process to say let's go international? Because that yeah. doesn't seem to be necessarily the default if you're putting together a first
6: festival. So. What kind of led us to that was one of the things that I, I've been working with as a filmmaker, or I work with the Cherokee Nation Film Office, and what I realized was on the other side of the river from Fort Smith is another nation. Mm-hmm. So we are an international city. We have an international border right there. We got the Choctaw and Cherokee Nations right there, and so that was kind of the that first sense of like. And then if you look at the makeup at Fort Smith. I mean, our public schools, I mean, there's dozens of different languages spoke in our, our public schools. And so our, our our town is international. And so that's one of the things I've been pulling out this year. So, you know, it started off with that international thing. But now we're getting films in that actually connect to our community. So we have a film in this year that connects to the Hmong community. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it came in from Thailand. And so it's a, it's a Hmong story. And so, you know, we were able to, you know, I'm going to market it to that and go, hey, we have a film about, you know, you know your your audience your your culture and another thing that i'm working with too becoming international is fort smith just got the the, the department of defense uh, the military, right. uh, you know, and so the first pilot's coming in. So it's, it's the military sales um, um, contract. And so we train all the foreign pilots on F-16s and F-35s. We're going to have Singapore Yeah, Singapore is coming in. Uh, they're, they're coming in in a couple years. But the first pilots coming in next year are from Poland. Mm-hmm. So I've already reached out to the Polish Film Commission, and I'm working with them. They're sending me their slate of films so that we can not only – entertain the families that are here, but we can educate people in our region about their culture. And I want to do the same thing when the Singaporeans come in, and we also have uh, pilots coming in from, from Finland. So we have films from those places in the festival already, but I'm trying to reach out and even broaden our catalog even more. What kind of conversations do you have with filmmakers who might be in
1: Thailand or Poland or Ukraine or Russia that your film's going to be seen in the middle of the United States, in a city that maybe you hadn't heard of before mm-hmm. application. What does that mean to them?
6: Oh, it it it's it, this is the fun part right now. So, <laughs> so when you, when you're reducing films down, so you know we reduced our the 452 films, and we're going to show 148 films this year, 48 hours worth of film. <laughs> but that still means I had to leave you know 300 films behind. But we just sent out those notifications. And once you send out the notifications, you start getting all these people tagging you from all over the world. And you get to see their excitement of, like, our film is in, you know, Fort Smith, Arkansas. And they're posting from, of course, you know, uh, Ukraine. You know, the, 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 we got our Russian person posted. And so all over the world, Spain, all these places. And that's, that's one of the things that I love is now we have people in other countries— Talking about Arkansas mm-hmm. and Arkansas as a cultural place, and you know, having those international conversations with these people, like uh, um, the um, the 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 girl from Ukraine, she's a college student and <laughs> she did a whole post about you know you know being able to be out here again and super excited, and it, it's great s- seeing that excitement. How many you you don't know this yet, but how many of the hundred
1: forty-eight <laughs> filmmakers or film partners do you think might be able to be here
6: in August? Uh, we're, so we're now, right now, so part of our process is they, we send them a form, and on that form it says, are you attending or not? And mm-hmm. so we're just now getting all those forms in, but my interns are telling me that quite a few people are saying that they're wanting to attend. Uh, we even have uh, one group that from Canada And uh, they're they're wanting to come here. And so they're already asking about hotel rates and stuff like that. And so one of the things that we try to do, especially if you're coming from a long ways, is I try to at least pride you with a hotel room. I hope to someday get to be one of the festivals that can fly people in. But, you know, start small and, and build from there. But, you know, these people are you know trying to m- make plans and and come here you know from uh, hopefully we'll have our first kind of other country things we've had people from all across the united states come in but you know, first two years you know those were kind of our COVID years right 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 and so now people are actually being able to travel so we'll really get a real sense of who can come in from other countries and stuff so that's really excited to see i've heard you say canada ozarks cherokee nation so north
1: america is obviously represented you've mentioned some european and asian filmmakers
6: how many continents did you? We have films this year from over 40 countries. Wow. Also, as the way I say it, it says 40 countries, nations, and tribes. Right. Uh, because uh, we, you know, we have the indigenous category. And what's interesting with the indigenous films is just taking a look at that, um, in our categories we have one called I Will Speak, which is about the Cherokee Nation and them working to save their language. We have a, a movie from Hawaii called I Am Kanaka, and it's about them. Working to save their culture and their language, and then we got one—an indigenous film from Brazil—and they're like under attack. Um, you know, they, they had to form a, a communication coalition because their lands are under attack by corporations. So it's it's you're seeing the struggles of indigenous populations not only here locally and throughout the United States, but internationally. And so that's that by having that international twist on the idea of indigenous. You get a whole range of stories. The best festivals, be they music, be they film, be they food, whatever,
1: bring a conundrum. Because I want my festival to have so much that I can't do at all, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in this room and I'm missing this.
6: But that's also the worst part of one of those festivals (laughs) is I have to make choices. Right. And in order – because people have to make choices, what we do – is the weekend after, we have a virtual version of the festival. And by then, you will know who the winners are. So maybe you're watching and you're like, oh, my gosh, I wanted to see what that winning film was. We're going to have the virtual version, and that also gives our international audiences a chance to watch the films, too. Because we have, we have people who can't travel here, who can't make it, but it's a way for them to watch and show their family and friends, here's my film in the Fort Smith International Film Festival.
1: All right, finally, I want to ask about you. Okay. You have so much enthusiasm, so much joy in putting this together. I know from other friends who have had major projects, and over the years, you get so involved that you can begin to not take care of yourself. Begin to—do n- <laughs> you think about that? Because this could become overwhelming. I know you've already got a lot of people helping you, which is the
6: first step. Mm-hmm. Well, no, any, any, any process like this, you know, it, it comes down to the old adage, Right. If you're doing something you love, it doesn't feel like work, right? Until it does. Until Let's it be does. Honest. <laughs> Until it does. Well, I mean, you know, but yes, right, it that it, it's the passion that right. drives. But you're it's also about building that cohort of people, and that would that's the biggest lesson I've learned is having people around me so that I have a programming team, I have a marketing team, you know, I have you know a, a filmmaker relations team that their whole job is to make sure when the filmmakers come in that you know that they're having a good time, because once that part of the festival happens, we got to have people who are having those, you know, and here's fly them in and do all this. And so it's about building your team. And if you build a good team, then it doesn't become completely overwhelming.
1: Brandon Chase Goldsmith is the executive director of the Fort Smith International Film Festival. He talked with me at the Carver Center for Public Radio last week. The festival is August 25th and August 26th at Temple Live in downtown Fort Smith. Tickets for the weekend begin at $15. There are VIP packages. You can learn much more at fortsmithfilm.com. This is Ozarks at Large. We've had a global flavor on our show so far, food and films from around the world. Now let's continue with Teas from Africa. On this week's episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, host Randy Wilburn talks with Ola Atalola, a tea expert with Northwest Arkansas-based Ashami Teas. The company specializes in teas grown in Africa. Ola is a native of Nigeria who went to college in North Carolina and studied food science there before moving here. On this week's episode, Randy asked Ola about his decision to build a business in Northwest Arkansas.
7: Flashback to, uh, you know, living in uh, Nigeria. I mean, we had our own farm. We, we grow crops and we rear our own animal. So I've always into into farming and, you know, agricultural product. And when we, you know, grow things like, you know, corn, which is maize, and th- 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 that's what we call it. <laughs> and, um, you know, vegetables and things like that. Whatever we produce, uh, we are able to process it and also sell what we are able to sell. So that I had a little bit of idea back then, but at the same time, also the processing of things that we get from the farm, it's, it was very hard for us to be able to maintain it because we don't have any preservatives or any storage facilities to be able to store those products. So what we harvest tends to go to waste over time. So that's another reason why I decided to go into food science. and. You know, going to the business did not occur to me until, you know, the last six years, like I talked about, because one of the reasons was, you know, I talked about during uh, the curate program, which we'll probably get to is, um, yeah, I know how to make food. I'm a food scientist, food technologist, but I don't know how to sell anything. <laughs> so I had to learn how to, you know, sell things and what goes into that process of selling things. Uh, even though I have that little knowledge while I was little, uh, you know, getting things from the farm and selling it. But, you know, it's it's a different ball game having your own business.
8: Yeah, no, it is. It is. And so was tea kind of like a natural place for you to start, or did you also consider other opportunities before you started the tea?
7: I did consider other opportunities before I decided to go f- into tea. I mean, initially wanted to, you know, do other beverages, you know, do bottling of uh you know ibiscus drink colloquially we, anything that is infused in water it's it's we call it tea but technically anything that is camonia senesis uh plant is what is actually tea so but um we drink a lot of hibiscus uh which is you know if, if you uh, we call it sorio you know people from the island will call it sorio yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we call it zobo back in nigeria uh, so we consumed a lot of that. So I initially started that, but the capital to do a uh, ready-to-drink bottling was uh, very expensive. And um, it's, it was just labor-intensive and, you know, capital to start up that. So tea came to my mind because, you know, we've always drink tea in our culture. You know, when you go and visit anybody in Africa, tea is one of the things that they will present you, you know, for, you know, Breakfast, dinner, or you know, lunch. So, and I looked around when I came into the states a long time ago. That you know, all I see, like you talked about earlier, is Lipton. (laughs) You know, that that commodity tea is what you see around. uh, The cheap tea. That's what you see. That when you you know brew it once, you just like the flavor is gone. You're not getting much benefit from it. So, I couldn't find all the, the tea that we drink, and had to you know look into you know what can I do to help put the, the continent on the map? Because I couldn't find any of the tea that we drink back home here uh, other than the commodity tea that I talked about. So tea naturally came to mind after I thought about it. Yes.
8: And did you, how, was it hard for you or difficult for you to start cultivating those relationships with local farmers where you get your tea? Because I think that's another part of your story that's really interesting. I know we've had Another guest on the podcast, and his name is John Allen, and John and his wife started Onyx Coffee. And one of John's big things is that he knows all the growers of his coffee, of the coffee beans that he roasts. And so he goes over there, and when I say over there, I mean, he goes over to different parts of the world where these coffee growers are to inspect what they're growing and to build relationships with them. How hard was that for you to establish those relationships with the tea growers and those that provided the ingredients that make up your great tea?
7: Yes, that, that's a great question. So uh, it, it, it I mean the first four years before we had our customer, we, we used that time to you know travel back and forth and you know develop a, a good relationship with those farmers that we want to work with. Initially, it was very hard because you know knowing the farm, the estate, that the tea comes from and trying to do business with them was a challenge because most of those farmers, they don't have any experience in exporting anything into the state and they don't know the requirements. So you had to work with them and help them develop all the necessary paperwork, documents and things like that. And make sure you also, you know, develop a good quality program and food safety program with them. You know, after you've lived with uh, you know, the, the farmers for some time, you know what they need, how they, how you can help them, um, you know, sleep with them, uh, eat in their house and see uh, the condition of their house and, uh, you know, travel to their farm with them, see the way they are plucking teas and how, you know, how it's labor intensive and how is, uh, you know, it's all, and everything is done by hand. It's, there's no equipment or anything like that. So, you know, this is a real hard work. So you want to give back to them. You want to help them. So that, you know, really hit home, you know, because like I said earlier, I've worked on the farm before too. I know how that, how how hard that is. So it's, uh, to answer your question, it was initially very hard trying to find the the farmers you have to work with and then putting all the politics aside because, you know, just like in Kenya, everything is controlled, all the tea is controlled by the government, uh, just like, the cocoa industry in Ghana or agriculture is all controlled by the government. But we, we didn't want to get into that politics. So we went and, you know, the, the small orders farmers, the small smaller farmers is who we wanted to work with, the independent farmers, so that we bypass all the politics and just focus on who we want to work with directly. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that you know, like
8: I said, I mean, people don't, it's hard to appreciate. It's hard to appreciate that that there's so much back work that goes into you know establishing those relationships and developing developing them over time, and especially I mean Africa is a large continent right and there are there are different types of specialty tea throughout the continent, so I mean I'm sure you've you've had your work cut out for you throughout this process of getting
7: a Shami tea off the ground, correct, yeah, yeah, so I mean. East Africa, for example, you know, when you look at it right now, I just posted. We just posted something today on our web, uh, on our Instagram page or in social media about all the natural disaster going on. So you know, the tropical storm Ana just happened about uh, you know about a week ago, and we've been in contact with people, you know, our farmers in in uh, in Rwanda, in Malawi, and you know, all the southern part of Africa, sorry, uh, southern part of Africa, and see what's going on, how they are coping with the the natural disaster that is going on over there, you know, flooding and issues that is going on over there. Currently, did destroy some farms, uh, you know, the bridge in between Malawi that they go through to get to their farms and things like that. It was destroyed. So, yes, it's a tough situation trying to, you know, work with them, but it gives me a bit more uh, fulfillment wanting to know where for me wanting to know where the food that I eat comes from is always a thing for me know what is added into that food and uh, be able to know what is you know I put in my body. I know most people are doing that also currently and uh, it's uh, it's a good thing to be able to help those farmers.
1: Ola Atalola is a tea expert with Northwest Arkansas based Ashami Teas. The entire conversation can be heard on this week's episode of I am Northwest Arkansas with Randy Wilbur. And you can find the podcast at KUAF.com with all of our other local podcasts. You can also find it at I am or where you already download your favorite podcasts. And the podcast version of Ozarks at Large can be found at those same podcast distributors or at KUAF.com.
0: It's a Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. Always a joy to be joined by Lane Berry, Communications Coordinator with the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks. How are you?
4: Hi, good morning. I'm good.
0: Tell you what, every summer, and of course just from our public service announcements, uh, sponsorships that you all do uh, with us, there is always something happening. Oh yeah, we are always busy. It's crazy. Yeah. That's got to be a fun job. This is Oh, yeah. This can't be boring.
4: I'm never bored at this job.
0: (laughs) All right. We're talking about the Firefly Fling Festival. If you're a KUAF listener, which you probably are if you're listening, you've heard about this throughout the years. Y'all have been such great sponsors with us to do this. Talk about the history of this a little bit.
4: Um, Well, this event is uh, meant to kind of get your creative and sort of kid at heart side out and to really see the magic of the outdoors. Well, I'll be dressed up. You're encouraged to embrace the spirit of the event, dress up as a fairy, pirate, superhero, butterfly, any other kind of magical being, and just, yeah, let yourself have fun. The
0: Fireflies are out. They're out there.
4: They are they are we're excited yeah it it's a unique event since it's from 5 to 10 so it'll be nice as the sun sets especially since it's been so hot outside it could be a good opportunity to have a cool activity to do with your family and friends
0: so that's this saturday that's 5 to 10 p.m There at the bdo
4: we'll have community booths with um interactive activities we'll have food trucks and like treat stands you can get your face painted henna tattoo hair tinsel temporary tattoos We'll have real life mermaids, fairies, and pirates. You can make a, your own little fairy house with some natural materials from the garden. There'll be an obstacle course, live music, and then we're going to finish off the night with fire dancing and a laser light show. Okay. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah.
0: Now, some of you might be going, well, okay, it sounds like this is for... Not necessarily. Uh, this yeah. is an event where I've seen many adults have of course,
4: very much fun. Of course. Yeah, it's for the kids and for the kids at heart. This year is actually the first year we're going to be offering alcohol for purchase okay. for adults 21 and up. So... Um, Yeah, it's for kids, it's for adults, it's for everyone in between. Yeah.
0: Uh, Lane Berry, Communications Coordinator with the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks, that Firefly Fling Festival, always just a great annual community event.
4: Yeah, come join us.
0: Awesome. Thanks for letting us know. Thank you. The Community Spotlight and KUAF, your voice matters.
1: This is Ozarks at Large, and with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, Catherine Sheralds, our Militant Grammarian. Welcome back.
5: Thanks. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> um
1: A good past few months.
5: Yes. Good. Yes. Just just writers' procrastination. I completely <laughs> understand that. As
1: someone said to me just earlier today, one of their favorite quotes is Duke Ellington, "I'm not moved by inspiration. I'm moved by deadlines."
5: Yes, that's good. My one of my favorite, and I forget who did it. I think. Uh, well, I can't recall her name. I think Nora Ephraim mm. said, um, I don't enjoy writing. I enjoy having written. Yeah. Well, you have prepared. <laughs> I so have, yes. What are we going to talk about today? Well, Mental Floss, one of our favorite online sources for all sorts of interesting stuff, recently listed 38 word usage mistakes even smart people make. Okay. Well, we're smart people. Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's see if these words trip us up. Okay. The list was compiled by Alvin Ward, and along the way, he gives some tips for remembering the correct usage. All right. <clears throat> okay. Here's a sentence. Invariably, Kyle's dog Daisy will spend several minutes lying in the stream in the Ramble. <laughs>
1: you have seen. I have seen on Facebook. Facebook yes. yes.
5: Now, of course, I got this idea from the photo Laura f- posted. But is it a correct usage of the word invariably? I don't think so
1: because I think I think invariably means more often than we think. When, even how I use further, it further. okay.
5: Even further. take that further. It Happened happens all
1: the time. Yes. Oh, so then it's not <clears throat> correctly used there.
5: Right, right. If something happens invariably, it always happens. Uh, not to be varied. Invariably. Oh, okay. So So we're not invariably ver- the sun rises. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. Wonder so what far. climate change will do to that. <laughs> uh, to be invariable is to never vary. The word is sometimes used to mean frequently, which has more leeway, but that's not really the that's that's not for smart people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, Kyle, do you know that the do you know the word sploot?
1: Is that what the squirrels are doing on my fence?
5: Maybe, but... Flattening out? But doesn't Daisy do it?
1: For a second at a time. (laughs) Invariably, she's energetic.
5: (laughs) Well, my friend Fru told me about about it because my dog Roxy does it in any stream she encounters. Mm. It's a slang term for when a dog lies on its stomach with its hind legs stretched out back and flat.
1: Yeah, no... uh, Daisy does not do that in a stream. She does not like to lay down in the stream. Uh-huh. She wants to be in it, but uh-huh. always moving.
5: Yeah. Okay, Kyle, here's one I know, and I used to teach it to my students who usually forgot it. And when I use it, I have to give it a second thought before I write. Okay. The family is comprised of a mother and three children. I don't like that word, comprised. Because <laughs> you don't know how it's supposed to be used. Yes, I, <laughs> I go
1: with composed. Something is made up.
5: It's either comprised or composed. Oh, help me out here. Depending on the way it's structured. Okay. A whole comprises its parts. So the alphabet comprises 26 letters. The
1: letters do not comprise the alphabet. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. So a family is comprised of the members of the nuclear family. Yes. Yes. So let's go back to that sentence.
5: So the family is comprised of a, fam- a mother and three children. Actually, that is it was correct. correct. Yes, yeah. uh-huh. it is, yeah. If your instinct is to use the phrase is blank of, then substitute composed. Okay. Okay. The whole is composed of its parts, but I've, the part comprises its, I mean, excuse, but the whole comprises its parts. this answers something that I have... Wondered about for a while. Thank you. So, Kyle, do you know the trick that helps figure out whether you're looking at the Sahara or a piece of pie? So
1: desert versus dessert? I mean,
5: I don't know the trick. The trick is the dessert has an extra S for sugar. Okay. (laughs) That helps, yes. (laughs) But which would you use in this? She got her just desserts. Hmm. Mm. I would,
1: I would think, I w- would think two s's. And here's my reasoning: because dessert comes. at, This is not logical. <laughs> I can already tell before I say it out <laughs> loud. But dessert generally comes at the end. So if someone got their just desserts, what they deserved, that would be at the end of a situation.
5: Uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Uh, But you got really close. Ah. Uh, It's something someone deserves. Right. So do you have two S's in deserved? No, you do not. You do not. Ah. There's only one S in the dessert of just desserts. It's not the dessert of after dinner treats, nor the dry and sandy desert. It comes from an old noun form of the verb deserve. Ah. A a dessert dessert the kind we've been using, is a thing which is deserved. Kyle, when I used to teach media law at the university, we studied a case in which this next pair of words was misused. Okay. Do you know that there are two kinds of discrete, D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T slash or D-I-S-C-R-E-T-E?
1: I'm going to end this conversation quickly. No, I did not. I just thought there was one discrete.
5: The discrete with two e's mm-hmm. means hush hush or, or I should say two e's together. Right. Uh hush hush or private. Right. But you've heard this discrete D I S C R E T E means separate, divided or distinct. That's a yeah. Dis- oh, of yeah. course, yeah.
1: I got to admit I think but I you, thought they were the same. Same, huh? Yeah. yeah.
5: No, they're they're different. Oh, right. Um it it means separate divided or distinct uh, a, a way to remember it is the one about being private spelled d i s c r e e t the two e's are huddled together oh. telling secrets <laughs>
1: okay. right there's a discrete difference yes. between something mm-hmm.
5: right. right of course and in d i s c r e t e which you just used, they are separated and distinguished from each other by the intervening t Okay, Kyle, here's a throwback to college days. Do you know the correct usage of IE and EG?
1: Oh, if 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 it wasn't laced with hilarious profanities, I'd play a clip right here from the movie Get Shorty, <laughs> where John Travolta is getting a shave in a barbershop, and there's these mobsters are having a, a debate over what IE, I-E and EG G- mean.
5: <laughs> and it's hilarious. And do you remember it? All right, so
1: IE... Is a list of examples?
5: Mm-hmm. E.G. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, You're right. Right. You're I'm wrong. I'm wrong.
1: Uh-huh. I'm wrong. Yeah. E.G. is the list of examples? Uh, yes. And yes. I.E. then, what is I.E.?
5: Well, they described it as in effect, but I, I think of it as such as. Kyle, tell me the correct spelling of these three words. All right. He needed to cite the coordinates so we knew the site he chose was within sight of the office. So he needed to cite the coordinates. C-I-T-E. Yes. So we knew the site he chose. S-I-T-E. Yes. Was within sight of the office. S-I-G-H-T. Correct. Yes. No problem there. And, uh, an, uh, a site with an S is a location or place. C with, uh, site with a C is a verb meaning to quote or reference something else. Mr. Ward gives the example, you can cite... C-I-T-E, a website, S-I-T-E, but not the other way around. Okay, here's an old favorite, disinterested versus uninterested. Okay, uninterested. <laughs> I'm very interested in hearing the answer to this. Uninterested
1: would be you just don't
5: care. Yes.
1: Disinterested would be. You. I'll give you a hint. Okay.
5: You want your judge to be disinterested but not doesn't, doesn't, uninterested.
1: All right. So uninterested, you don't care. Disinterested means you don't have a dog in that fight. Right, right. You're disconnected. You're in, impartial. And yes. Okay.
5: In which case, it would be his job to be that way. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. To be uninterested is to be uninterested is to be bored or indifferent to something. Disinterested means impartial or having no personal stake in the matter. Okay, but if the judge is asleep, <laughs> he's probably uninterested. You well, can ca- be both, right? <laughs> you can. Well, Kyle, I'm not uninterested in these words, but there are 38 of these word usage mistakes even smart people make, and I'm smart enough not to address all 38 at once, so we'll continue next week.
1: Sounds good. Katherine Sherald is our militant grammarian. <laughs> This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. Let's talk for just a moment about challenges. The Community Blood Center of the Ozarks Boots and Badges Community Challenges are continuing this month and next. Each is about donating blood, of course, but also a friendly competition between fire and police departments with a traveling trophy awarded to the department with the strongest showing over the summer. They've already taken place in several Northwest Arkansas communities. The next one is in Pea Ridge. Thursday, you can donate blood from 10 until 4 at the Pea Ridge Middle School. Next month, Fayetteville's Boots and Badges Community Challenge will take place on August 2nd at Cross Church in Fayetteville, and in Gravit, two locations for their challenge, the city's Civic Center and the Ozarks Community Hospital of Gravit, both of those on August 30th. You can find a complete list of the challenges at the CBCO website. By the way, the Community Blood Center of the Ozarks says summer is commonly a challenging time for blood donations and the local blood supply. If you've been thinking about challenging yourself to Write a memoir. Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow in Eureka Springs is ready to help you out. The colony will present Capture Life and Create Legacy. Write a memoir. This will take place July 29th. The four-hour writing workshop will be led for the seventh time by author, teacher, and writing coach Nikki Hanna. According to the Writer's Colony description, The workshop will guide a writer through the process of documenting a life story and preparing to share it with others. Participants will receive a complimentary copy of Hannah's book, Capture Life, Write a Memoir. For more information, you can go to writerscolony.org, look for the Events tab. The workshop does carry a $40 cost. And on July 23rd, local media personalities will be challenged to make their best guacamole at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. This is in association with the Family Day Connected to the exhibit Diego Rivera's America. That Saturday, the 23rd, from 11 until noon, Crystal Bridges teaming up with avocados from Peru to host the Guac-Off. The inaugural guacamole competition will feature teams of local media, including a team from KUAF will each have 15 minutes to pit, mash, season, and mix up favorite ingredients to win bragging rights for the best guacamole in town. Celebrity chefs from the area will judge the competition. And here's the thing. The winner gets a shiny silver avocado. That would look great in the lobby at the Carver Center for Public Radio. And remember, the Diego Rivera exhibit closes at the end of the month. And tomorrow on our show, Legends of Newton County collected in a new book CD package.
8: And I was more interested in, like, the the story that's been passed around and altered. And I love that process where we, as a group, we gradually edit these stories and they become something that we, for some reason, collectively have decided to tell ourselves.
1: That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 on 91.3 KUAF. This
8: is KUAF,
1: Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Prairie Creek. Contributors today included... Randy Wilburn, Catherine Schurls, Rachel Sanchez-Smith, and Pete Hartman. Today's show also comes with major assembly help from Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks for listening. KUAF is giving away VIP tickets to the 2023 Rocklahoma Music Festival, held September 1st through the 3rd, 2023, in Pryor, Oklahoma. Bands include Buck Cherry, P.O.D., Skid Row, and more. Winners will be announced on Friday, August 25th, during Ozarks at Large. KUAF.com for complete lineup and registration.